How we doing? It's FT Live. We got a good guest list coming up today. More on that in just a sec. Uh, Scotty Braun, Todd Frazier, Eric Kratz. Todd Father, good to see you, man. And I wanted to get you in on this combo we had from yesterday since you weren't with us. So, as we all know, not only are there no signings in the past few days, there are no rumors, which really means <laughs> it's quiet on the front. So, Kratz and Przinsky talked yesterday about what it's like to sit at home a month away and how it is to deal with the fam and the friends and the agent and the anxiousness that for some people turns into desperation deals. You are a pretty active dude. Um, you don't like to sit still. I think most people would say that, right? You're, you're freaking uh, all of energy. So how would you be in a situation like this? If you're a stud, right? Or, or not, I guess, whatever, wherever you are in your career, sure. how would you be a few weeks out of spring training right now? What would you be doing and saying? Well, I've funny you bring that up. I've been a part of this whole scenario before where you're sitting back like, oh, I thought this team wanted me. Well, why don't you make this call? Like I was on my agent's ass every day. My wife's on me like, hey, what's going on? You know, like this is only it's normal. It's natural. You're trying to find a job. You might be out of a job. Not in then you're thinking two, three months ago, like, yo, this is going to be easy peasy. No, man, this isn't easy peasy anymore, man. It's not like back. In the early 2000s, in the 90s, you know, people were signing left and right. They just said, here's the check, go. I mean, honestly, free agency stinks. It's not fun. It's <laughs> not fun at all. And I remember exactly calling my agent, and, you know, sometimes he wouldn't answer. I'd call him again, you know, five, four or five hours later. I said, what do we got? Ah, oh, man, nothing really brewing. Bullshit. Call somebody else. Like, it, it, was, it was getting like that. <laughs> so it was – a little anger, a little frustration, a little jealousy, everybody else making it. You know, let's be real. Everything comes out of the pot because you want to be on a squad and you want to be wanted. You know, that's all you want to do. And then eventually when you do sign, it's like, what the hell did I do wrong? You know, I, I've been myself this whole time. So it's uh, it's very frustrating. Kratz, okay. I know. I, I was just saying, I like that. I can imagine the call from Todd Father would be really entertaining <laughs> in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> some some were fun some weren't like you know you it's your livelihood bro you got to take control of it. I, I used to tell him i said hey, listen give me the guy's number like let me call him let me make a deal myself like what what else do i have to do here like there was you know let me bite the bullet and you look back you're like man maybe i should have did this maybe should have that and it was it, it was it was tough it was tough yeah. Who, what was the latest what was the latest that you ever that you ever went into the offseason without a job or without like an offer. Cause I'm sure there was like minor league offers coming in. And yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, yeah bro, you end. want a minor league? And you like piss off. Yeah. No, it was, um, what was it? It was in February. I forget, I forget what day exactly. It, it could have been like February, um, eighth or ninth range, if I remember. But yeah, it was really late. Really oh, late. That's yeah. brutal. Oof. All right, well, we'll keep everyone posted on that front. So in the meantime, on the news action, our friends at Baseball America have their 35th top 100 prospect list released. Let's charge the damn mound and take a look at what that list entails. And it's the Jackson 2. Holiday is 1. Jackson Churio is number 2. Jackson Churio doesn't have to have any money conversations for quite a while. He's not going to be free agent for like a decade, um, but he's already rich. So that's cool. You can see some of the others on this list, some other notable names. Of course, Junior Caminero called up towards the end of last season with Tampa Bay. 
Evan Carter, never heard of him. Um, it'd yeah. be cool maybe one day if he gets to you know win a World Series or something. I hope for the best for him. Uh, Wyatt Langford, that's sarcasm for anyone that gets pissed off if they're like listening to the pod and can't see my face. <laughs> but Wyatt Langford's going to be a big deal, I think, this year for the Rangers. Dylan Cruz, same thing, should be up for the Nats this year. Jordan Larler's gotten some time already. He's been an FT guest, so we love him. Ethan Salas is a stud catcher in the Padres system. Paul Skeens of the Pittsburgh Pirates cracking the top 10, of course, as well. And I might butcher this name, Samuel uh, Basayo for the Baltimore Orioles. Yes, Orioles fans, wait, there's more. So, yeah. Kratz, what do you think about this top 10 list? Ah, I mean, I think it's great. I think we kind of lean on Baseball America to do their homework. They do extensive stuff. They have their scouts that they talk to. They have... You know, they put their own eyes on. Now they have analytics. To me, this is the part of baseball that will grow the game ridiculously. It will give so much value to the game because you base based on what the NFL gets. Does the NFL do a great job on its own? Yes. The NFL would not be what it is without the way that NCAA football is run, televised, all that stuff. So if we can somehow – build this up 35th 35th top 100 prospect list like we need to build these guys up teams need to see it they need to hear more about about your Wyatt Langfords they need to hear more about everything that you know your team has or doesn't have in the minor leagues to be able to build the excitement for what's coming because this is what the teams value this is poor Paul Skeens if Paul Skeens was Japanese right now, he would be making over $200 million. But, you know, he went to LSU. He didn't go to, you know, he didn't go to Tokyo University and get an opportunity to come out like Yamamoto is coming out of, you know, coming out of the MPB. But you sit here and you look at this list. This is the future of the game, and we need to sell it more than we are as an industry. Do you have ideas for that? Go ahead, Tom Father. No, I, I I want him to finish his point there, and then I'll, I'll go. Well, I'll I'll just go. I mean, yeah. Top ten prospects. I'm I'm just looking at the list, and I'm like, you know, Evan Carter. Once they make it, aren't they done being prospects or no? No. Hundred thirty at bats. Hundred thirty at bats. Thank you. Or less. All right. Well, that's something I I just learned. I appreciate that. So I'm looking. I'm just like, you know, I'm I'm looking for uh, lighter on there. I know lighter had a you know tough first mm-hmm. year, but then you know he kind of bounced back. There's some like underlying guys that we haven't even brought up that, you know, could crack that list as well. So it's like, yeah, I want to I want to know more about these dudes. I want to know. I want to get to know more. Let's find a way to get these guys known and out there for the public. Like, hey, man, why is this guy waiting in the shadows? He should be brought up. This is the dude right now. So um, I don't know what we could do with that, Eric. I don't know if you've had any ideas or thought about it, but. I'm sure I'm sure we could think of something like make it a little bit make it instead of just putting it out there, like make it like a big deal on TV or something. I don't know, something to make it fun for uh, everybody. So we're a regional we're a regional network. We're a regional sport. That's confirmed. You're you know, you're watching Orioles are a bad example. You're watching your Royals and Cardinals if you live in the Midwest. Now we've moved a lot of these triple A double A teams as close as possible. Minnesota would be a great example. Mm-hmm. Their AAA team is in St. Paul. They used to have an independent team that had no affiliation with any team, definitely not the Twins. Now it's their AAA team. We have the resources. 
we, as in MLB, has the resources to be able to kick back to some of these teams. Now you need, as a Minnesota Twins regional network, you need to be able to show these games. You need to be able to show them, mm-hmm. but not in the grainy iPhone footage that some of these some of these teams are getting. The minor league teams are, you know, that all their games are on TV already. Use that structure, but with a little bit of a regional sports network feel in the sense that you have a pregame show, you have interviews. I get it. The minor league guys will have to play you know, four o'clock games on a Saturday. They'll have to play a little bit of a different schedule. But now you know these guys when they come up. And I don't think it needs to be just AAA because all these teams are decently close to their big league team. That regional network can have that easy communication, not back and forth. You you can't do the same crew doing that game as you do the big league game. I'm not saying that, but you have that connection and you can really sell it. Now when Evan Carter gets called up, Dude, I went to go see him over at Round Rock or wherever Texas's AAA is. You know, when Edwin Julian gets called up for the Twins, oh, I remember watching him over at St. Paul. It was cold early in the year. He did this. He signed a ball for me. He connected. And I watched his games every Saturday because they played the spotlight game. To me, that's the thing that we need to look into for these billion-dollar companies and these billion-dollar contracts for regional networks feed some into that and create a new avenue for seeing your team and seeing your future. So Todd Father, when I interviewed, because I've, I've spoken to some teams over the years about play-by-play jobs, right? To be their team play-by-play. So when I interviewed with the Marlins um, for their play-by-play job, maybe six years ago or something, and they were terrible. And then they were terrible for several years after that. Obviously they were much better this past season. That was actually a big part of the conversation. In the meeting interview, they asked me about my prospect knowledge, and it was almost like a PR pitch. Hey, we're going to be terrible this year. I mean, I'm going to say it in my language, right? They didn't quite (laughs) phrase it that way, but they're like, so how do you plan on selling Marlins baseball to our fan base? And I do think teams like the Marlins, the Pirates, the A's at times, especially on the broadcast side, because they do a great job. They have that in mind, probably more so than the bigger teams in terms of their broadcast, because think about it. Their broadcast can't just talk all day about the current team and their playoff chances, especially once you get halfway through the season and those teams are out of it. So I think they actually specialize in really doing their best to educate people. And sometimes they'll do a content series on like prospect of the week or whatever it is. There are a lot of things that they'll throw out there on their TV broadcast, on their website and digital content. So I do think they did a pretty nice job. Yeah, it's different from a sport perspective. And I agree. We definitely should have some big ass show and release everything. And maybe we can work on something like that in the future. But the crappier teams are well versed in this. Because it's marketing and they need to sell what's coming because what's there is usually not good and the wintertime is usually completely quiet for them. So we spoke a lot about that. I'm like, obviously, I understand what the deal is and we can talk prospects all day. I love to do that. So I do think the crappier teams, the cheaper teams have gripped that pretty tightly and are doing a good job in that department or at least a better job in that department. You know what I'm saying? Like you you had a, a minute with the Pirates. like. Yeah, They're talking about the future. I mean, eventually, hopefully, they'll be a playoff team again, and they don't have to do that all the time. But for the most part, 
you got halfway through the season, they're like, hey, we drafted Paul Skeens. Like, let's talk about Paul Skeens a couple times a week. And they should. No, I, I agree. And I think the tough part is for baseball is there's so many, there's so many athletes. There's so many ball players. And it's like, all right, yeah, we wanna we wanna pinpoint, you know, a couple guys, but at the same time, it's like an overload of baseball players and that's that's the nature of the beast which is great a lot of guys get a lot of opportunities but you know if we're just trying to pinpoint the top 100 okay i get that but there's also these underlying guys that that are you know really good ball players too as well that you want to get to talk about too but yeah i i think you know eric brought up a good point putting him on tv a little more especially in that region i think that is an easy fix there i i think that would be pretty simple so um you know, they do it at the major league ballparks too as well. Like in between innings, they'll put a video up of, you know, who's doing good at the farm or something like that. And they'll bring a guy up and it makes people talk a little bit, but yeah, there could be more stuff that they do. I don't know if you guys hit on it while I was muting myself and ruining the show, but (laughs) to me, this list, the, the bottom half of the list here, Kansas city, we, we talked about all that they've done. The years that they've lost since essentially 2016, they've been losing, and they have zero players in the top 100. Mm. Angels, Astros, that's surprising, but we heard about it. The Diamondbacks, the Angels for me, yes, they have one, but just like we said yesterday, Reed Detmers, I was talking to, when we were talking to Reed Detmers, shoot, they had Shanwell, Neto, Detmers, Matt Joyce, Silseth, and Bachman, all big leaguers who have been drafted since 2021. So they're moving their guys out of the system. It's like, well, if you're good, you're ready to go. So that's different. But for me, Kansas City, man, you have zero in the top 100, and your team wasn't very good. I know they were young. They were young up there. Maybe MJ Melendez or I guess Vinny's a little bit older, but some of those guys would have still been – Top 100 had they stayed in the minor leagues, but that's not a good look. So it's good that the it's good that KC's buying some players to come in. Yeah, the Royals are quite a disappointment on that front. I mean, it's been a lot of years of, of pain, and yeah, there are some exciting young players on that team on the big league roster. But yeah, when you don't have a guy cracking the top 100 and you're picking <laughs> towards the top of the draft, and also people should keep this in mind too. It's not just picking at the top of the draft or towards the top of the draft. The more picks you have and the higher those picks are, the more money that you have to spend within the draft. That's how it works. So even if you pick a player that might not be the best player at that spot, you might be saving some money for later on um, in the round. So um, and, and last thing I'll just add to finish yeah. is. They got, if, if that's the case, they have zero prospects, so they have nobody ready to come up, right? Does that make any sense? They have uh, guys ready to come up. They're just no, but I'm saying like nobody – it's like, oh, we'll bring him up, but he'll get pushed back down once this guy's available. You want guys to come up and stay. So yeah. ho- hopefully hopefully that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, on that front, I mean, we've got number two on the list, Jackson Cheerio. Jim Duquette's about to join us, former general manager. He's on SiriusXM, SNY, et cetera super locked into the sport. So any questions that you have in terms of where your team's at, what the free agent market's looking like, Mm -hmm. are the excuses from teams legit, any of that, uh, we'll get to it with Duke coming up in just a sec. And I'm also going back and forth with with one of the regulars, D-Rod Kratz, 
D Rod's like, I didn't mean it that way, talking about hater. And I'm I was trying to type this out, but I'm doing the show, so I'll just say it in person. So it's not on you, D Rod. I think it just brings up a, a good point. You know, we post a lot of videos on our YouTube channel and I'll go through those comments. And I've definitely seen some comments when we talked about hater being like, He's soft, he won't pitch the eighth. And I'm like, come on, that's ridiculous. Let's bring this combo right into our next guest. Uh, Jim Duquette joining us right now, a man of many talents on many networks. You can follow him at Jim Duquette GM, as I mentioned, Sirius SNY, etc. So, Duke, great to see you, dude. It's, it's been up, a minute. Guys? Yeah, yeah, miss you, man. Good to be on. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, let's just bring this one right into the fold. If you're a general manager and you desperately need a closer and you're one of those teams that's like just looking for some icing on top of the cake and a guaranteed ninth inning safe and haters on the market, do you look into that eighth inning combo? We were having it just now with Corbin Burns and how, you know, he had bad arbitration with Milwaukee and and then wanted to be just more of a consistent one inning, ninth inning guy and has expressed that he would expand that at times when he's with a team that's going to take care of him. So I personally don't give a shit. I think I'm, I'll take a Josh Hader. But what do you think and what would front offices say? Well, I, I think Josh Hader has been one of the best closers in the game. Uh, over his career that we've seen. And and it's hard to be really good and really consistent as we've seen. That's why you appreciate, you know, what Edwin Diaz has done, you know, the, the stretch that Liam Hendricks did, um, you know, as he became a, you know, a full-time closer, like those guys are hard to, to get. And he deserves to be asking for the type of money that he's, that he's asking for. I, I don't know if he's going to get it, but I, I think that with you know some of these teams, they have really diminished that ninth inning or the importance of the ninth inning. Uh, I can tell you this: I've been in the postseason, Scotty. We've been together, you know, probably over a dozen years in the postseason. And man, when you're trying to close out the game, you know, at the end of the year, in important game, uh, uh, say safe situations or in the postseason, uh, if you don't have one of those guys, I think it's a, a, a real big disadvantage. Now. There are some, you know, a lot of debates on with with other executives on that role, but that for me, Hater's a guy you have to have. And even if he was only, you know, pitching in the ninth, I, you know, I don't have a huge problem, especially because you're trying to use him more often during the course of the season. Occasionally, he'll pitch two days in a row, um, and if he's willing to go four outs or five outs, I take that. But if it's just three, too, I don't know if there's too many guys that are better than that. Are teams too much, and maybe this is more of like a free agent question, are teams hemming and hauling too much with a guy like Hayter? You can, you can sit there and do the whole hem and haul with, with Blake Snell, with Jordan Montgomery. Is Jordan Montgomery more like a three or a two? Blah, 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 blah. Cy Young, no Cy Young, all that stuff. Are they hemming and hauling too much with Hayter? Yeah. I, Eric, I think so. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I – when when he's used in just those three outs, there I think if you're opposing GM, it's fair to wonder, you know, is there some is there something up, you know, if if he's if he's not used on back to back days, which we know you know wasn't always the case there. He was he's a max effort guy. You wonder, geez, is there something going on there? But once your medical team signs off on him and sees that you know there's nothing major going on there, then. There's no reason why teams shouldn't be all over uh, him. And, you know, I honestly think if you give him the contract, he can, he'll can he pitch for you whenever you want him to. He, like that part, you know, the contract, 
and the big numbers and all that, that's behind you, and it's all about winning and not worrying about necessarily the night. But we've seen times where Diaz with the Mets would come in in the eighth, and I loved how Buck used him. And Diaz didn't give a shit. Like, he, like let's go. Bring me in. I'll get the outs and in. You know, the, if if I can't go the ninth, you got some, you know, David Roberts at one point, and Adovino was there, and he had other guys that could finish out the ninth. But, the you know, the heart of the order that and really the game on the line in the eighth sometimes that happens the way the way the, the order comes around. I want my best my best reliever in there. And so I think Hader would be um, for sure one of those guys that would do that in that type of situation. So but I, I do think that in some cases, see, when, when teams there are certain teams that that don't value the ninth inning as much, there are certain teams that look at, uh, you know, guys that. Can oh we can insert whoever and, and they're interchangeable and I do think there there are some teams uh, that are being impacted by you know some of the, the finances the RSN issue that's been going on and I think all of that uh, has kind of kind of come together here and I think that's why you're seeing some of the market being jammed up too. I want to talk about you. You were an XGM before. You understand <clears throat> the ins and outs of signing people. I just feel like back in the day, and I'm thinking you know. 15, 20 years ago, free agents were going like like hotcakes. You know what I mean? So right. it, it just seems like why in these last couple of years, you know, five years, whatever it has, I'm just – I don't exactly know when it started. It seems like getting – free agency is not fun anymore. And I was no. a part of it too as well. So do you know why? Do you see the, do you see the differences? Can you explain why? Or is it just something that's just been going on? So, Todd, I think it's a it's a been a difference. Maybe even the last probably five or six years, like you said. But if you go back even fifteen, um, there are more teams wanted to win or were trying to win, uh, were being aggressive. So, so, if you're trying to win or you think you have a chance to, at winning, like you had to be aggressive to go out and get who you wanted, right? And so, what you're seeing now is you know there's there's it's there's a less of a bar to get in right 84 wins 85 wins 86 wins that can get you into the wild card these days um which is good but it's also uh bad it's bad on the, i think on the free agent market because some of those teams that are on the margins they don't have to extend to go to go get that key guy but i think there's a there's a you know a, a fear uh, for some general managers, uh, well, if I spend this kind of money and it doesn't work out, I'm going to lose my job. Like there's, like there's a lot of factors that weigh into this, but that's a part of it too. So, you know, I think more than than anything, um, I'd like to see more teams decide they're going to be they're going for it and try to win. And you know, I, I don't think we're there yet at, at you know by any stretch. Okay, so on that front, I'll mix in a fan question or two. For you, Duke, um, from Jacob, do you think a salary cap slash floor would actually help teams um, with teams not trying to compete? Cap and floor question there. like, Or do you think, as we've seen often with our game, loopholes and BS would surface for teams to still kind of skirt through and be cheap and pocket money, the ones at the bottom that get all the revenue sharing? The, the te- teams are always going to find a loophole, right? We, I mean, we saw even the Dodgers with the defer- deferred money. I mean, that loophole's been been there since I was in the front office, you know, uh, fifteen years ago. And and you could defer money and and get the you know luxury tax benefits from it. Just no one was willing to kind of go to the extreme that the Dodgers did. Uh, I, I've always felt that I, we're, we're I don't think we'll ever see a cap in our sport. 
Like you have to kind of go under under the assumption that players would never go for it. In my mind, you know, now that I'm in this position, I can get see both sides. And if I were the players, I wouldn't want to cap either. Uh, so, but in, but when I say that, I always say, well, maybe a floor would help with some of those uh, teams. Um, but I will say this: the the way uh, some of the changes in the recent CBA, like if if you're going to tank, you can't you can't be you know, uh, you can't have a top 10 pick if you've you know, stunk it up for two after after two straight years. I think that can help a little bit. I think giving teams the the incentive to bring up uh, players that are ready in the minor leagues instead of playing the service time game that they used to play, uh, you know, and they get a draft pick if those guys end up, you know, one uh, or two in the, in the rookie of the year or the MVP. Like things like that we can do as a sport to create more incentives for some of these smaller revenue teams. Any, if you want to dangle draft picks, they're draft pick whores. Like they want, they want to go after. They'll take draft picks all day long because there's there's huge value for them. So if if we want to fix, we'll call it fix the problem or get them to spend a little bit more money, dangle a few uh, a few prospects out there, and I think that'll solve it. All right. So speaking of draft picks, speaking of free agents, this is super random free agent. I gotta ask you because I have a. Special place in my heart for Gary Sanchez. Why, based on the season that Gary Sanchez had, from a rate status to just, you know, an at-bat status, why is he not signed somewhere for a two-year deal? In my opinion, somewhere a two-year deal in the $18 million range. Is it the past where people are going to say, oh, his defense is no good because he had a 1.2 war just on defense last year alone, and Victor Caratini got a two-year, $12 million deal. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, um, I do think there's a little bit of bias from the past with him and his defense, no question. I, I was, I, I don't know if you got a chance to see him a lot, Eric, last year or not. You know, I saw him in, in spurts in San Diego, and I was like, whoa, that, that's, that's gotten a lot better. And I, I felt like he was being – you would know better than me on this, but it looked sounded like he was being instructed in a lot of different ways. You know what he was mm-hmm. used to, what they, what the, you know, whether is he gonna is he gonna catch with a knee down or not? Like all those things that maybe he's comfortable with it, maybe he's not. I mean, he's a big guy anyway, um, and the mobility maybe wasn't there. But I was really impressed with the way he caught last year, and the power obviously was there too. So I'm a little surprised he's sitting out there. You know, and and he, you know he was sitting out there obviously this time last year. Um, I was talking to one of his agents, actually, it was about this time last year, and he was like, man, we're not getting a lot of interest out there. I would think there'd be, a, you know, a lot more interest right now. Um, you know, having said all that, there's not a ton of teams right now that are looking at catching. I don't think I'm trying to, like, I feel like Tampa always is looking for catching, um, you know, but I, you know, I, I think that for, for him, it should absolutely be a one, at least a one-year major league deal possibly, possibly too. I don't even know how old he is now these days, but yeah, he's a guy that's like, like there's, there's a lot of guys on the market that I'm still wondering why they're out there and don't have a job. And he's definitely one. I I was just going to repeat exactly what you said at the end there, why there's guys still sitting there. And that goes back to what I asked you. Um, I want to go to a a certain team. I want to go to the Yankees a little bit. Um, are they done? You think, or are they going to, are they going to keep on pushing here to get some guys? Are you happy with what they did? Uh, should they go after more people? See, I, I got asked this last night, Todd. I think they're right now third third place team in the American League East, and that's not good enough for the Yankees, right? Now, you know, if they add, you know, a couple of reasons why I think that. First off, there's, there's 
a lot more uncertainty with their starting rotation this year because of all the injuries and the guys he didn't give you. You know, the 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 two guys, uh, Cortez and Rodon, I think t- had a total of 120 innings, right? And then Schmidt is the, had the second most innings of any of their projected starters right now. We know Stroman, if he's healthy, but all these guys have that dot, 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 if healthy, they're going to pitch well. So I'm a little bit concerned there. So to protect yourself, they need a little bit more, I think, depth rotation-wise, but they need bullpen help. Now, they get a couple of these bullpen guys. Like, I like the potential Neris, you know, uh, signing if they get him. I mean, I think Hayter is the perfect fit there, but if they don't want to do that with Holmes uh, in the back end, there's so many other guys that they could go after. I would feel a lot better. I, I don't know about you guys. I like their 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 offense better. You know, Verdugo, you know, as long as he's down down lineup, obviously with Soto in there, that's gonna he's gonna be a beast there. So um, I'm not as concerned about their offense. Uh, Sean Casey, you know, I had him on my show recently. He's like, I think LeMay is gonna have a bounce back here. Uh, I do too. Just watching him, he looks like he's healthy now. So I think you know we know Riz is gonna be good. You know, now that he's back through the concussion. So I think that offense is gonna be a lot better than what we saw. Just have a a, a little bit of concern there on the pitching side, and hopefully. Hopefully, they'll go out and get a couple of relievers. I got a fan question here from Javi. He says, how well do you think Yamamoto adjusts to the MLB scene? Well, oh, man, that, that's always a good question when you get a guy over from Japan because, as you guys know, there's there's always all sorts of adjustments. You get the ball, the travel, the mounds, the new team. Uh, you know, if you're going to have them pitch every fifth day or sixth day, I'm just going to go off of what we saw with Kodai Senga last year. Right, I think that's the the you know, the most current uh, comp and barometer, not in size wise, but just pitching and making all those adjustments. And I think if you watch Senga, he came in early uh, to spring training. He avoided the WBC uh, and he just learned learned uh, his his uh, catchers. The catchers learned him. He got accustomed to the ball. He got accustomed to all those things that you're looking at. And then as the season went on, he made in-season in adjustments about as well as any first-year pitcher, whether it's Japan, rookie, whatever, that you're going to see. And I think as long as Yamamoto is open to doing that in-season, um, I think the adjustment won't be that big of a deal. You know, his stuff is it looks filthy. We, You guys have had people on. I've seen we, we had uh, Luis Brinson on who faced him. He said he's going to give teams – a lot of trouble, a lot of headaches. And that's the type of stuff that he has. You know, like, I, I wouldn't want to face, I don't think there's anyone that wants to face the guy, but I think it's going to be a quick learning curve for him. And, you know, if, if there is a struggle early, I don't think it's going to be long. Todd wants to face him. That guy doesn't have <laughs> anything that Todd, he doesn't throw enough balls that go far enough out of the zone. Todd would whack that dude. <laughs> Absolutely whack. I, I, I've, I've been asked to come back and play by Murphy, so, I mean, you never know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's Let's true. go. Get back in it. Oh, yeah, Todd, Todd, Todd's comfortable at home. That, 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 white, that white sweatshirt wouldn't be as white anymore. I got to take you to the O's, okay? Yeah. Can the O's – now, I'll say this first. I'll preface it. I love Radish. I think Bradish yeah, has a chance to be a number one in this game, an all-star year in and year out. Can this team, the way it is built, and the fact that they are going to absolutely pinch their pennies and not spend at all, win a World Series without an ace, without a guy that's at least equal to Bradish? So the great 
equalizer there is Grayson Rodriguez. The way they're currently uh, constructed with their rotation, I, do they have a chance? Yes, but I, I, there's not a, a certainty that I would sit there and say, oh yeah, I don't want to push all my chips in on the Orioles to win the World Series. But you know, but you know that last year we saw Rodriguez really pitch well, right? In that in the second half, and and I, I think if he takes that next step, um, he has a chance to be. Uh, if not Bradish close, you know, he certainly has the stuff to do it. And if Bradish is what he is, uh, you know, the guy that doesn't get as much attention is means because, you know, the guy was an all-star before he had Tommy John, he was healthy at the end of the year, he had a little hiccup in the postseason, but it didn't sound like it was serious. And so I think they have enough pitcher pitching to get there. And I would love to see, you know, at the deadline, them be a little bit more aggressive than they've been you know, last two years ago. They were, they were, you know, sellers, unfortunately. This past year, I thought they needed to be more aggressive, and they really weren't. So um, I, I do think that um, they have enough to have a similar type season. 100, 100 wins is like a – it feels like a once-in-a-lifetime type of season, so I don't know if they can back that up again. But they definitely have the talent, and I think they have the starting rotation to, to win the division. But I think to get to the World Series, they're going to need another guy, and, and maybe that's – trading for you know your prior guest if he's available at the deadline and Corbin Burns maybe mm-hmm. it's Dylan Cease I don't know maybe it's Jesus Lazardo those are the guys that seem like at least at least the last two Lazardo and Cease the ones that are available now I just would love to see them you know end up acquiring one of those guys it just doesn't seem like they're, they're going to be aggressive enough to go get one of them right now to me it's the time to strike to me for them it's the time to strike because they're young because yeah. they're electric at so many spots that would just solidify them and all we've talked about so far on this show today is well you know if they can do this ah, this is a little bit of a bounce back pitching staff rotation wise right now because we there's some concerns with the Dodgers you know Bueller's coming off Tommy John and glass now is is you know never thrown over 120 innings Yamamoto has never made more than 26 starts what starting rotation right now can you say, wow, that is a starting rotation in the big leagues that does it for me? Oh, man, I don't I don't have one that has a full five other than maybe Seattle um, that you feel really good about. Right. Toronto, I'd say, has four. Um, they just signed the Cuban pitcher there, Rodriguez. We don't know an awful lot about him, whether he's going to go in rotation or not. I think Manoa's got – personally, it sounds like Manoa has changed his workout routine this winter. So I, I, I would bet on him. I'm not going to bet a ton there, but I'm going to bet on him coming back. If he does, they might have five. But right now I think you have to look at four because there's a little question on Kikuchi too maybe. But those are the two that come to my mind after that. Like who else has the who else has any depth, right? The Rangers, the Rangers in the second half, their rotation has a chance to be filthy, right? But there, as we know, there's hiccups there with guys coming back uh, from any of their injury surgeries, and you know the physical therapy route can go wrong. So there's a lot of things there that could go wrong. But I like I like what they're you know in in June or July beyond. I like what their rotation might look like too. But there's no one outside of um, Toronto and Seattle. I don't know. Is there is there a team that I'm missing that you guys thought of? No, Seattle was the one that I thought of. I really like yeah. Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm speaking for uh, Kratzy there. Um, I, I, thank you. I want to jump into the Cubbies a little bit. It felt like, man, when were they going to make a splash? And all of a sudden they did. And uh, 
Do you feel like they're done? Do you feel like they should keep going now uh, after uh, what they've done, you know, picking up the pitcher um, from Japan? I, I, it doesn't look like they're done, Tom, at least from what Jed Hoyer's talked about. I, I, when I was in the front office and even some of the things that – some of the messages that you hear from the front office guys now, like I hate the word measured. Like don't be measured. Like what, what, where are we going for the postseason berth here or not? Like they didn't get to the postseason, and I thought they were measured last year, and they that's what they've been so far this year. I, I don't – Hey, I don't know if Imanaga is going to replace Stroman. I mean, Stroman had a hell of a year. I know it was injury um, interrupted by injury, but his first half was, I don't know, he's an all-star, as you guys know. Um, and they don't have Bellinger back, and they haven't replaced Bellinger. Unless you, like, I mean, I don't know what you're going to get out of Michael Bush yet. So uh, they said they're in the fourth or fifth inning of, of their winter. So I'm going to assume they're still, you know, going to go out there and make improvements. I think they need a third baseman. They could use a a first baseman, maybe. Bellow Bush might be the answer. They definitely need an upgrade. They need Bellinger back is really what they need. And then I think they need some bullpen, too. So uh, I don't know. They, they don't seem like they're on hater, but I feel like that's a perfect fit. Like, they're holding back, but I also feel like they're the one team that uh, has the money that could be aggressive and are, are a dangerous team to watch in the next month because they might surprise us all and and get some deals or bargains on the free agent market the way it's looking right now. I got Reese Hoskins going there. But I have a GM oh, yeah. question. I have a GM question for you that we always want all these GMs to speak. And then when they speak, what the heck? Why did that guy open his mouth? Should they talk? Should GMs talk more? Because he said fourth or fifth inning, and I made the joke yesterday, sarcastically, yeah. what happens if there's a rain out? You know, maybe he didn't. Right. Or the full throttle comments. From the front office, from the Red Sox. It's full, like F-O-O-L, full throttle. <laughs> I tell you, the messaging this winter, I'll, I'll throw another one at you. You're in the largest market in the sport, and you're going to say, we, we want to be competitive. Really? <sighs> really, New York Mets? You want to be competitive? No, 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 no. That's not going to fly. Not with the money you're charging. Not with the not with their expectations of your fan base. Like, we got to come up with a better messaging uh, you know, uh, campaign or whatever it might be for, for these GMs and front offices and even owners. Now, all of a sudden, the, the Mets, I don't know if you noticed this, they changed. Now they're like, we, we expect to be competitive and a postseason team. All right. That's, I like it, Dave Stearns. You got it. You, 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 you made the, uh, the adjustment, which I love. <laughs> but you can't you can't tell me that the Red Sox are full throttle, and now they come out and they're almost apologizing for it, like this owner, Tom Warner. So – um, I know this, when we had these winter caravans, and if we had a terrible winter, man, I dreaded going to them because the fans were going to let you have it, right? And when you, when the Red Sox go to uh, Springfield for their winter car, uh, caravan, that's where I grew up in Massachusetts, right? I was a Red Sox fan growing up. And they let you know, if they if they think your team stinks, my, you know, my, my cousin obviously was GM there for a long time. They just inducted him into the Hall of Fame. But they let him know, and sometimes they let me know. I had nothing to do with the Red Sox, and they let me know the Red Sox stink, and why aren't you doing better? So, like, yeah. I love the fan bases that put the pressure on the front offices and ownership to to feel competitive teams. Are you are you surprised that fans buy into ownership's messaging and assume their teams can't afford, like, uh, you know, to get these players? Uh, I, they if they do, you know, here's the thing: if you're um, you know, any of these large market clubs, 
you can't really with a straight face say that you can't afford these players. Like it's, it's every player's making right? money. You know how it is. It's not believable. It's not, you know, and, and, you know, obviously, um, you know, even, even the, the overall team values, they continue to go up into, I don't know if there's a team that's, that's worth less than a billion, a billion and a half dollars now these days, all of them. So there, there's money there. And, but, you know, I do think that, uh, the only thing I'll defend owners on is, is I never, when I was with the Orioles, I never would ask my owner to spend out of his pocket, like to deficit spend, right? So the revenues, you know what the revenues are, you know what your expenses are. And if, if, if he's saying to me, listen, our revenues are, let's say, you know, 150 million, I didn't ask him for 160. 150 should be plenty enough to field a competitive team. But some of these teams are bringing in all this re- revenue and they're not spending it on their team. Like that's that's kind of ridiculous. Um, and and I think the fan bases, some of them are are starting to understand that or, or smart and be be a little smarter about it and educated about it. Um, but I wouldn't on the surface buy any of it. Um, you know, and I think the owner the owners uh, they they try to come out with this you know message about where where they are like like Bill Dewitt with the Cardinals. I think I give him credit for coming out and speaking. Sometimes some of these owners, like we see John Henry in Boston, you can't find him. You know, he hadn't spoken in three or four years. I, I think that's the absolute worst, for, especially for a rabid fan base like like the Red Sox who um, who show up when you win. Do you as a GM, are you privy to what the revenues are as a team? Like, so you have, and, and it, would you say that's, Across the board, all 30 GMs, even the status of GMs now, you know what the revenues are? Yeah. you should. Well, here's the thing. You should know. If you don't, you should ask. That's part of your job, you know, is, is to understand, you know, the, the what's coming in, the revenues coming in, and the, the expenditures going out. Even if you're not necessarily privy to all of the details on the business side, of, you should have an overall grasp and understanding of um, revenues and expenses. I mean, these um, Alex and Thopolis just got a seven-year deal, right? Now they're a publicly traded company. You can get this information, you know, uh, when when they when the company releases, um, you know, all of their uh, information, their data. But he better know. And Andrew Freeman and, and David Sturge, all these guys are making huge money as a free as a as a president of baseball operations. Uh, they should definitely know, and I think all, pretty much all of them know uh, what the what the money, um, you know, what what where they would be spending, what the spending is, and the deficits or or uh, revenue streams are. So I'd be very surprised. Listen, I think all of us know this right off the top. They're all getting 110 million dollars from the national TV uh, <laughs> from the national TV deal, right? Every one of them. So look at what the Orioles have, and their 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 uh, payroll was what eighty five million last year. So they're already putting that money in their pocket. You can guarantee it. That's yep. exactly what I'm talking about, Duke. When I say look at some very basic math, and that we're not even factoring in, say with Baltimore, how much they got from the ballpark, from the gate, from everything this right. past season, which was obviously a much better season for them than the previous six years of tanking, which is also why when Oakland, I mean, John Fisher has said like, we're losing tons of money. No, you're not. We literally know what the freaking TV contract is, let alone, this is my follow-up question. Things like the BAM deal years back where teams thought every ball club's going to spend whatever they got, $30 million or something. My other thing now that's the huge factor is most of these teams are or are becoming real estate entities. 
Let's yeah. buy this land or this restaurant, right? I'll use the Mariners as an example, and I'm going to maybe butcher it a little, but not too far off, right? Because uh, Ryan Divish was on with us recently and said they got a, a chunk of land, restaurant. It's absolutely crushing. So they probably bought it, took a little loss from the team, then separated into another LLC and profit right. their asses off. So as an entity and as a whole, let's say that thing's making them a few million bucks or more a year. They don't factor that into the team. Now the team's just back in its separate space. So right. are, are GMs that tied in or is it more just, hey, your budget's 150 this year. Don't worry about anything else. I got my side deals and pockets going on. That's probably <laughs> what it is, right? Yeah. Some owners would share that information, right? Like, Because here's the thing. You're having meetings with every department. Um, oftentimes, and you're getting the state of the department, right? Well, you know, there are business guys coming in. He's giving you this, the, the the state of, okay, here's what ticket revenues are. Here's where we made money. Oh, by the way, uh, the ballpark, outside of the ballpark, here in Wrigleyville in Chicago, as an example, or what they do in St. Louis, I forget what they call it. Um, you know, here's what the revenues are. So you're, you're aware of that. By the way, none of that is... Um, is shareable in revenue sharing with any of the teams. That's all money that's going into their own pocket, right? So they invested in that, and we're supposed to buy that 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 they invested in that, and it's a money losing proposition. Like, no, it's there's just there's no way that they put money into that into those settings, um, into the real estate, into the restaurants, uh, the bars, all of those things there, and the, to uh, to lose money. So, and and by the way, that's why here the Orioles here in Baltimore they're trying to restructure their deal with the with the state to have a, an area around Camden Yards for that type of thing like they have in the battery there in Atlanta. So that's the next revenue stream that these owners are trying to accomplish. Steve Cohen's doing it with the Mets, not just with a casino, but just to try to, those all those chop shops where, uh, you know, I know like I, I have a door and a tire from my early days in the Mets that are over, still probably over in the chop shops across the street there. <laughs> like, there's no, like those are gonna be gone and I can't wait. I'll, I'll, I'll be there with the bulldozer. Hell yeah, dude. I grew up living that life going around there. There's a lot of activity going on around there, but you're right. It is massive, massive business. And that is why they're in this game. They're not in this just because it's fun and it's cute and they want to win. It is incredibly profitable. So dude, great to see you. You want to plug anything in particular? I know you got a lot going on S and Y. Obviously I'm listening all the time on Sirius in the mornings with, with Farron, who's been on here, and, and your boy Bowden, and you and him going off on Sundays, but yeah, man, yeah, got cooking. <laughs> Bowden, you guys had Bowden on. He goes, I love it. I love it when he starts singing the mediocre Mets song. <laughs> uh, that's, that's new. That's new. I will say this: I, I'm uh, I'm doing some uh, consulting for uh, a, a showcase, Future Star Series showcase, and Jeremy Booth is a guy that uh, people may not know yet, but he's get coming on the scene. Uh, he owns the franchise, and uh, I'm going to a junior college event. Uh, down at Globe Life uh, this weekend, so uh, you know, plug them along with my SiriusXM uh, show. So nice, okay, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. All right, we'll check that out. We'll we'll check out what it is and you know show the link and stuff like that. So enjoy sure. that, dude. Have some fun down in Texas, and great to catch up with you as always, dude. Really yeah. appreciate it. Right, good to see you guys. Thanks for having me. So while we have a few minutes, we are going to bring back the ever so popular Wheel of Free Agents. Yes. Who would like to go first to spin? I, I think Todd Father, you look very excited. Would you like to begin? Yeah, let's do it. Just kind of give it a oh, oh. so enthusiastic. Hey. This is the wheel of spin. <laughs> this is a free agent wheel. 
Sweet Look at those colors, Todd. It's full of different shades of yellow and green. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good, good, good Your pick boy. by you. This is a knockout of a pick. Former teammate. Wow. Timmy Anderson, how we doing, big dog? We haven't talked about Tim in a while. Mm-mm. Wow. What's the deal? So, I mean, he had a brutal season. You can look up the numbers. It was awful. I mean, he had some situations he was dealing with off the field too, but on the field, it was not working for him. He made some tweaks that got a little bit better, but on the year, Todd Father was bad. But I don't think anybody looks at him and says, all right, well, now he's cooked. Like, look at the past, what, four or five years before that, consistent 300 hitter, maybe you move him to second base. But what do you got on TA, and do you think there's any potential spots that – he might be a fit in terms of like a change of scenery and maybe a spot that he'd vibe with. Yeah. I honest, I mean, think about this, Tim Anderson. He was, uh, he won an AL batting title. What? Two years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I played with him his rookie year. He's a superb athlete. He could run. He's a good shortstop. You know, I remember the first time I played with him, I said, listen, you know, let me guide you here a little bit, you know, go off my lead. And I, you know, be like, you know, I'd be like, move over left. When we talk it out, I'm like, now as you get older, you're going to have to understand as you're playing guys and playing against teams, you're going to have to do this yourself. So try and hone these skills in. And, you know, he got better and better each year. Um, you know, he had some trouble this year. I get it. Some things in that, you know, happen off the field that you can bring into the game as well. But I do think he can still be that Tim Anderson that I know and love. Um, Team wise, oh boy! I mean, I mean, we talked about the Angels in the beginning. I, I think he, that would bode well for him. Change of scenery, um, man. Off the top of my head, Timmy Anderson. Where, where could he like? Where, I, I call me crazy, but I mean, I could see him playing second base for the Orioles. I mean, am I way off the charts by saying that, Scooter? It's only because they have so many guys already, and they're not spending money at all. Exactly. That's the problem. It's not. It's it's more on unrealistic. Yeah, sure. It, it'd be nice veteran depth for them, and I do think the Reds actually hedge themselves by getting Candelario. And even though I don't love yeah. the free agent signing there, they're they're going. Hey, we have all these young guys. They're not all mm-hmm. going to have great second years. I like the first answer you went with, and obviously yeah. Kratz is going to get excited about it. But <laughs> put him at, at second base with with the Halos, and that's the easy one. Let him ride. This all is right, our free something? agent game. This is our free agent game. He's going to play second base. He's going to play second base. They're going to move our boy over to shortstop for the Cleveland Guardians. Oh. Love it. Need need to see it. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Nope, 100%. not going to happen. They have 8,000 <laughs> middle infield prospects. No, that will no, be up because of the whole, oh, the I whole just incident. To see it. That's all. Yeah, no, the whole incident, he's not going there. I don't know. I think, I think hey, this- why, why not the Miami Marlins? I, I thought of the Marlins, but Luisa Rise is playing there. And now all of a sudden you have two second basemen that have zero power. I thought of the Marlins, and I feel like this could be something that I don't I don't know that the Marlins have eight million dollars. I think Tim Anderson is a solid pickup to play second base. And if something happens to your shortstop, this is why the Angels make such a great fit in case something happens with Neto, who I think is their shortstop for the future. But if something happens with them, now you have a big league shortstop. And there is not many big league shortstops out there. I don't think the Marlins have $8 million to spend, just being flat honest. Well, also, they I think all there's – They all have money. They all have money. Yeah, they all have money. No, but he's we, saying we, they're not giving them money. They're not going to give it. Yeah. They're not being given the money to be able to do that. I mean, so if you look at the Angels right now, 
Anthony Rendon is obviously completely unreliable. Whether he wants to play or not, he can't stay on the field anyway. And then there was, you know, obviously some controversy, and that was pretty well covered by us the other day, I must say, with Ron Washington. But you can't sign a third baseman ahead of him like a big money third baseman. They're not suddenly signing Matt Chapman, okay? They can't do that. That's too much of a of a shot at him. Obviously, I'm sure some Angels fans would love to see that. But it is nice insurance when you have someone like Drury who can play all over the place, right? Yep. And and Renhifo to an extent too. Obviously, Neto's going to hold down shortstop. That's where TA adds that middle infield depth. And, you know, it's almost like what Cashman said about Stanton. I mean, really, it's Perry who should say that about Rendon. We're only going to expect 30, 40 games, something like that from him. So you need to set up your infield kind of like a shadow infield of what it would look like when Rendon goes down. So and he was and he was just a guest and he was just a guest on here yesterday. Wash, I mean, talk about a connection. Talk about a place. Wow. If you're yeah, Tim Anderson, I didn't even think about that. If you're talking mm-hmm. about a place, oh you go, Tim Anderson, perfect. like resurgence. Now all of a sudden, he goes out onto the market as a 28, 29 year old free agent shortstop mm-hmm. that had a resurgent year. Wash is. Let's put it this way: I don't play, and I played at a mediocre level when I did play. That dude makes me feel like I'm already a better player just by the 20, 30 minute interview we had with him the other day. And I'll say this too. So, cause I did some digging on TA. I actually think he's going to have a bounce back physically regardless. He had some knee issues. Agreed. Lance Lynn Agreed. brought it up. Agreed. And if you look at his sprint speed, it went down way too much. It's not yep. like he suddenly aged like that. Sprint speed going down like that to me sometimes means there's a lower body injury and there was a knee issue. I don't know if he talked about it that much. You know, some guys like to kind of keep that on the DL, but I think TA is going to have a nice bounce back here and I think that's a good fit for him. So we'll see what happens. Plus, obviously, you know, Kratz, we have some personal history um, with the Angels fan base. So if he does sign there, there is going to be absolute glory. It is going to be a celebration. It will be a national holiday on FT. We will mark the day down forever in FT history and we'll bring on some of our friends. First said here. First said here. First said here a long ass time ago and everyone gave it crap. So let's slap hands. Nice and simple today. Just got two things. I'll tell you the guest list, and we do Kratz hats first. So Kratz hats, what do you got? And Todd Father, there's a new addition to Kratz hats, so pay attention. Oh, Scranton Wilkesburg. Scranton Wilkesburg. I'm not actually 100% sure when we wore these hats. I know it was a special night, but it matched it matched the jerseys. But I say this a decent amount, but this hat gets me a lot of a lot of compliments. I'm not trying to sway your I'm not trying to sway your grading, which you're going to find out, Todd, but so Todd, this is a new thing. It just started a few days ago by accident, but fans are loving it and they requested it. So I said, sure, why not? So grade the hat. We're going to do this every day. AJ will do it, but when you're on, you're doing it. Um, or out of, you, out of, out of a 10. So no, we're doing, we're doing, and this is still up for debate. We're doing the school grades, just like the kiddos. So oh, A, okay. B, C, D, <laughs> F, you can do a plus or minus if you want to get fancy, but what do you got? I mean, I, I like the, the black and white. You can't go wrong with that. Um, you know, if you got a guy with an SW or B in their name, they're going to rock that thing out. So I'm going to give this – I'm going to give it a B plus. Nice. Okay. That's, That's solid. Honest. Yeah. 
That sounds like me in high school. That'll work. Uh, this one's <laughs> this one's an A plus, by the way. FoulTerritoryShop.com for the hats, the shirts, the sweatshirts, the whole deal. And on the way out here, guest list for tomorrow, Brendan Donovan of the St. Louis Cardinals and Austin Slater of the San Francisco Giants both joining us. Of course, we'll talk to you know a writer, insider, personality, something like that too. Kipnis is back with us, Kratz, tomorrow. And Todd Father's going to rest up because he's got Friday with us and a pretty busy week next week. I'm invading. I'm coming over, dude. I got a red eye tomorrow. so Get ready. I will, I will mute you when you get over here. Bye-bye. <laughs> Come again. Oh, no, I'm muted and I'm out. That's good stuff. Um, We'll see you tomorrow. Peace. We've got a new offer for the FT fam with the same bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L. Bet $5, get $158 instantly. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through the BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5, and you'll receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app, Sign up and deposit at least $5 into your newly created account. Place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. And once you've placed a bet, you'll receive $158 in bonus bets, regardless of the outcome of your wager. Again, that's bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.